Well, everybody, welcome back for another week of Scriptures Revealed, and we have just concluded on last week, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Yep, we have closed out another chapter and getting ready to embark on chapter 3. I am excited about where we are in our journey of transformation. The Word of God is powerful. It is mighty. It is transformative, and I'm always excited about the Word, and I want you to continue you to be excited about what we are learning. Now, I'm going to do something a little uh, different today in the style of delivery, uh, I think, <laughs> and how I relay what I feel like uh, I needs to be uh, really stressed and, and, and really honed in on when you begin to look at chapter 3 of Ephesians. And I want us to not miss anything that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to get out of this book. So, I want to back up again and say that we have just concluded chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, and we talked about the household of God. We talked about being uh, part of God's palace. We talked about the city of God, and we talked about a disannulled covenant, and that was all in those final four verses of chapter 2 in Ephesians. And last week, we discussed that Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone, and he's our cornerstone, not, not just to support us, not just to make sure that we are growing, but he's also our cornerstone to ensure that our covenant with death, hell, and the grave has been disannulled, and that regardless of any curses that were on our life or our bloodline or our last name, when Jesus Christ became our cornerstone, that that covenant we made with death and hell was disannulled so that we can live out the life that God has intended for us to live, and that life looks like being a habitation for God. We are the habitation of God. I want you to get that in your mind. I want you to meditate on that every day of your life, that no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you are, you are a mobile habitation of the Lord God Almighty. You know, when Moses had the visitation on Mount Sinai, God gave downloaded to him the revelation of the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was supposed to be something visual for the people to look at, but God never wanted to dwell in a tent. <laughs> God never wanted to dwell in, in, in a, a wooden box called the Ark of the Covenant. God never wanted to dwell behind a veil. What he wanted was to dwell inside of a people. What he wanted was to make a people his own so that he could inhabit them and they could become mobile habitation centers for the glory of God. Let's not forget, friends, that the whole aim and the whole goal of Christianity and being wooed into the heart of God by the gospel is so that we would obtain the glory of Christ. I want to make you hungry and I want to make you thirsty to display God's glory, to display his glory. And his glory is bigger than falling out in a church service. His glory is bigger than rolling around on the floor in the, in the church. His glory is bigger than having a good time in church. His glory 
glory is the splendor and it is the perfection of God. It is the weight of God's perfections. When God, you, when you think about all that God is, all that he has, all of his abilities, how perfect he is, when that shows up in a place, it is the glory of God. And God is saying, I want to use you to be a habitation place for my glory. That when people need to encounter the perfection of God, they will encounter me through you. And so that is what we begin to learn in uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians. And Paul even talked about how it wasn't just for the Jews, that the Jews were the template. But now under the new covenant, the template now has has been uh, opened up to accept not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles, not just those who um, God had picked out to be his representative nation uh, over in Israel, but God wants to include you. He has not left you out. So that puts in perspective everything in the Bible, that even the stuff that is written to Israel, it is written to Israel, but is written for us. You know, the Bible, actually, if you're going to be really honest, nothing in the Bible was written to you. The Bible was written for you. It was written for you. When you look at Isaiah, uh, for instance, and, and it says, by his stripes you are healed. And we get all of these marvelous scriptures in Isaiah that talks about that so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Though These are wonderful truths. But the book of Isaiah wasn't written to you. It was written to a nation that uh, God had called his own and they had walked away in rebellion. That's who the book was written to, but the book of Isaiah was written for you. It was written for you because you, just like his people, were in a state of rebellion, was in a state of being away and separated from God, but his word is not going to return void concerning you. Now, I, I, I feel that for somebody listening is that you need to be encouraged that the word of the Lord over your life is not going to return void. God says my word is not going to return to me void, which means you are not a part of the equation of whether or not God is going to make good on his word concerning you. Let that sink in. God said, I sent my word. So he says, I'm going to do the sending. My word is going to get here. So I'm doing the sending. The word is doing the work. The word is coming back to me to show forth that it has brought forth what I purposed and what I accomplished it and what I sent it to do. Man, you know, you would make your life a lot easier if you would learn to yield to the workings of the word, yield to the workings of the word. So I want to encourage you. That's my bit of encouragement this week is to encourage you to yield to the workings of the word in your life. Just yield to it. Just yield to it. Let go of the stress of trying to change. Let go of the anxiety of trying to change. Let go of the struggle of trying to be changed and learn to yield to the workings of the word. God has got this. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he is doing. The Lord knows what he is doing. And so it is learning to trust. The Bible says that my word is forever settled in heaven. And my word has already been tried, which means you are not God's first case. He is not testing his word out on you. He is so sure of his word that he has given it to you as a form of transformation. Man, he can be trusted. God can be trusted with your transformation. And I just want you this week to purpose in your heart and your mind to relax, relax, rest in him. 
Let him change you. Let him transform you. Let him do the hard job and continue to unfold who he has created you to be on the inside. So that's my encouragement to you. Now, uh, we move into chapter three. Now, chapter three of Ephesians is loaded with great mysteries and great revelation concerning the church, concerning the gospel and concerning the man, Jesus Christ, uh, and who Christ is from eternity. Um, but before we begin to dive into all of that, I want us to look at a phrase and I'm going to, which is why I said this is going to be a little different is because I want to use how Paul opens this chapter to show you a key to victory. I want to use it to show you a key to victory. I think it is important that if you had the opportunity to sit at the feet of someone who is a general in the faith, if you had the opportunity to sit at the feet of someone who had already walked in the path that you are endeavoring to walk on, it, it would be smart. It would be wise of you to sit, to listen, to learn, and to glean. And that's exactly what I want to try to do today. I want to try to bring us to the feet of the Apostle Paul, and I want us to glean from him a wisdom truth of how this man lived in victory, how he walked in purpose, and how he walked in harmony with the eternal plan of God. All right? I want that to be in your mind because that is exactly what I'm going to try to do today. By the grace of God, I'm going to try to bring you to the very feet of Paul. I want you to sit at his feet and I want you to hear what this man says about how he lives the Christian life. Because if we would gain from him this wisdom, it will help revolutionize our lives and bring us into a greater level of transformation. So journey with me as we take a journey at the feet of the Apostle Paul. Let's look at verse 1, and then we're going to go on this journey together. All right. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm reading out of the King James this morning. It says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. I know that sounds like you just fall off a cliff at the end of that verse, but I want to stop right there because I want us to sit at Paul's feet and begin to glean of his wisdom. So let's all take a journey together. Paul makes an interesting phrase here. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us a glimpse into how he identifies himself. In, in many occasions, Paul identifies himself as a preacher and as a teacher and as an apostle. And all of those things are true and they are rightfully so. But here and in other places in the scriptures, Paul gives us a glimpse into a victory moment. He gives us a glimpse into his philosophy of victory and his philosophy of living in purpose. And he says, I am a prisoner of Christ. Let's think about this. Let's think about this. Paul he was a man who grew up in the church. He was a man that was very familiar with the rituals and with his religion and with the God that he was preached to about. And so Paul lived his life developing a relationship with a God that he had not encountered, but a God that he had learned about through study and through the lives of others. 
Paul had grown up in a household of people who had such reverence for the word of God and the scriptures. And so surely Paul would not have been introduced to an outdated God because these people knew their Bible, so to speak. They knew the Torah. They knew the scriptures. And Paul was so enamored by the scriptures and so enamored by by what he was learning in the Torah and so enamored by the blessings and the curses and what it took to live righteously and what it took to live in the blessing of the Lord because he also understood that if I would listen to the scriptures that I've been taught all of my life and align my life with it, there's a blessing that comes on me and the scriptures even say that this blessing will make me rich and it will add no sorrow to it. And yet Paul grows up in this household and he's learning the scriptures and Paul lives his life and seek of the blessing that comes with being a student of the scriptures. And so he is in search of this blessed life. And so he finds himself in a crowd where he's persecuting people who oppose the way he's been taught all of his life. He founds himself in a crowd uh, where they are stoning a man for teaching and preaching and believing and living in a way that is contradictory to this blessed life that Paul had been indoctrinated with. He was in search of the blessing. And so Paul wasn't an evil man. He was a man in search. He was a man on a seek. He was a man on an excursion of trying to discover what does it take to unlock the blessings I read about in the scriptures. And so Paul goes on a journey and then he learns that uh, in the scriptures that anybody that ever took a stand for this God, God always looked out for them. You know, he, he would have read in the scriptures when uh, God asked for uh, the nation of Israel who would be on the Lord's side and nobody stood for him but the son of Levi and the sons of Levi came and got swords and they went through the camp and killed everybody that wasn't on God's side. And then all of a sudden the sons of Levi go from being a people who were cursed to now they become the separated people, the people that God decided I'm going to use you to represent my priesthood. I'm going to use you to represent my separated ones. And so Paul is looking at this story and now Paul realizes that, hey, anybody that takes a stand for this God, the curse on your life can be reversed and the curses on your life can be revoked and you can all of a sudden become one who is separated from God. So surely Paul was not in the group of people stoning a man called Stephen because he was evil or vindictive. He was there because he was in search of the blessed life. He just wanted to live life the way this God had intended for him to live it. And so he even, he stoned, he, he held the clothes of people who stoned this man who appeared to not be on Paul's God's side. And at this stage in the game, Paul isn't Paul, he's Saul. And so he's holding the clothes of these men and he's learning that the, the more I take a stand for this God I've been told about, that I have more access to the blessings that are in the scriptures. And so he takes it a step further. And now he's not only holding the clothes of the people who stoned them. He is now a part of the ones who are doing the stoning. And he's going from city to city and he's persecuting them. And he's harassing the disciples, not of God in Saul's mind. He's harassing, the Bible says, and persecuting those who are opposing the God of his scriptures. 
How ironic that Paul has become a student of the word and does not recognize other disciples of the word he studied. And so he begins to be a part of the stoning and the persecuting and the harassing. And the Bible uses a, a very uh, Im- a word of imagery that says that even the word persecution, it means that Paul was molesting the, the those that were uh, a part of the way wasn't even Christianity at the time. It was those who followed the way. And so he was just tearing them apart and binding them and putting them in prisons and making them prisoners. And then one day, Paul is walking. He's headed to his next destination to continue his his journey of defending his God. And Paul has a supernatural encounter and he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and the, the amazing thing about this encounter is that Paul encounters a God he thought he knew. Paul encounters a God he thought he knew. And so on this road to Damascus, he encounters a God and the Lord asks him, why are you persecuting me? Because anytime you attack somebody connected to me, you're not attacking them. You're attacking me. You see that principle over and over and over again in the Bible. You see God addressing the prophet Samuel. Why are you grieving over the people rejecting you? They haven't rejected you. What they've done is rejected me. So we see an insight and we get a glimpse into the reality that God does not look at you separate from him, that when you are surrendered to him and when you give yourself over to him and when you are born again and you are placed in the nation of Jesus Christ, you are not uh, uh, you are not separate from him. But he sees you as a part of him. He sees you. Why? Because Jesus has now gone to prepare a place for you <laughs> within himself. So God says, wait. You're not persecuting my people. You're not harassing my people. You are harassing me. And Paul makes a beautiful declaration. And he says, Lord, who are you? Who are you? Because Paul understood that, wait a minute, all my life I've been in search. All of my life I've been seeking the scriptures. All of my life, I've been in pursuit of trying to unlock the blessings I find in the scriptures. And for some reason, I've been locked out of them. For some reason, I've been doing the wrong thing. Even though it's been with the right motive, I've been doing the wrong thing. Lord, who are you? Who are you? First secret Paul unveils to us in his life is that you will never know victory until you know who the Lord is. He has this fresh revelation of who Jesus is. And, 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 and God says, hey, I want you to go. I'm going to blind you for a season because now I've got to teach you to relearn me. I've got to teach you to relearn me. And I've got to teach you that in order to see me, you've got to stop seeing me the way you used to see me. That in order to encounter me for real and in order for me to draw you into a a fresh revelation of who I am. I've got to blind you to who you thought I was. And so he leads Paul to another disciple who lays hands on him and tells him, the Bible says, of the things he must suffer. Now we get another glimpse into the life of Paul. And we see why Paul identifies himself as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, yes, God has given me a call. And I've encountered him. Yes, I am a preacher. Yes, I am a teacher. 
Yes, I am an apostle, but the way I'm able to be a preacher and a teacher and an apostle, the way I am to be successful in my manhood, the way I'm going to be successful in being a spiritual father to people, the way I'm going to be successful in planting these churches and making sure that these churches are rooted and grounded in the truth and in love. The way I'm going to do it is that I'm going to realize that I'm going to become a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word prisoner, it, it, it is it is the word actually in bonds or in chains or in shackles, which means Paul said the way or the key to victory for me is that I learned that I needed to be a prisoner. Watch this. Not of Jesus Christ, but in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3 1 says that he was a prisoner of Jesus, but the actual word is he was a prisoner in Jesus Christ or a prisoner in the nation of Jesus Christ. What was he shackled to? What was he bound to? What, what determined when he ate and when he didn't eat? What determined where he slept and where he didn't sleep? In? What determined uh, who he pulled to his heart and who he decided that it was somebody else's assignment to deal with? What decided was that he was a prisoner of something. He was a prisoner of something. And it wasn't Jesus because he was a prisoner in Jesus. He was a prisoner in Christ because our life is hidden in Christ, in God. What was he shackled to? What was he chained to? I believe when Paul was walking and riding on that donkey on the road to Damascus and he encountered Jesus, he encountered the light, the brightness of Jesus's light. What he encountered was the glory of God. And so what Paul encountered was his destiny. I know we're all in search of it. I know we're all trying to seek it. But your destiny is bigger than you being a preacher. Your destiny is bigger than you being a singer. It's bigger than you being a doctor or a lawyer. It's bigger than you being an apostle or a prophet. No, 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 no. Your your destiny is to obtain the glory of God. And Paul became a prisoner. He became one chained to the glory. (laughs) He says, if I'm going to be an excellent apostle, I've got to chain myself to the glory. So it makes it to where I don't do anything unless the ultimate end is to manifest the glory of God. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to be a great prophet if my, if my heart, my inner man is not shackled to the fact that I'm called to reveal the glory of God. He says, for this cause, I, Paul, am a prisoner. For what cause? You got to back up to the end of chapter 2 and realize he's still talking about the habitation of God. He says, for this cause, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner for you, Gentiles, because because he's saying, I want the Gentiles to see the glory of God. It's the whole aim of my life is why I get up every morning is why you should pour into people. It is why I pray. It is why I worship. It is why I counsel. It is why I disciple. My friends, it is why I do scriptures revealed every week is so that I can be a habitation of God. My aim is that somewhere somebody sees the glory of God, that somebody is listening to even this podcast this week and they are encountering the glory of God. Why? 
because I have been made a hostage of my destiny. I'm a hostage of it. Yep, there are days where Paul said, I got, I, I, it seems like I'm overwhelmed. It seems like I'm perplexed. I'm, I feel like I've been knocked down. I feel like sometimes the wind has been knocked out of my cell. But through it all, at the end of the day, because I've been shackled to my destiny and I've been shackled to my purpose, I've been a habitation of God and a revealer of the glory of God, that even when I want to give up, the word of the Lord cannot return void because I'm shackled. I'm shackled. I'm chained to revealing God's glory. I'm chained to being a habitation of God. I'm chained to my destiny. And Paul said, that's the only way I learned to walk in victory. That's the only way I learned how to be stoned to death and get back up and go back in the city and preach the gospel is because I chained myself to my destiny. I made myself a hostage to my purpose. The only way I was able to go without food some days is because I was made a hostage to my destiny. The only way that I was able to stand before kings and princes and preach this gospel is because I made myself a hostage to this destiny of my life. I learned victory, not by trying to do anything, I learned perseverance, not in my own strength. I learned it because I decided that destiny was going to call the shots in my life. That I am a captive of the one who rescued me. That I would forever be eternally indebted to the one who saw me dying in my own blood, dying in my own seek. I was in search of life and yet dying. I was in pursuit of God and yet missing him. I was trying to follow a God I never really knew. And he one day collided with me. I had a collision with my Savior. And when I collided with my Savior, I decided that, you know what? I'm going to lift my hands and surrender to my destiny. And I'm going to be its hostage. I'm going to be its captive. I'm going to be chained and shackled to it. I believe that's what Paul was trying to give the people in Ephesus before we get into the mystery of Christ, before we get into the revelation of the church, before we get into the power of the gospel. Paul said, I want you guys to know that, yep, I I know all about the rules of the Pharisee. I know all about the Torah. I know all about the rules and the regulations. I know who I thought I knew as God. But what? has brought me to the place I am in in my life right now is I decided that I would be destiny's hostage. That I would surrender to Jesus Christ and shackle myself to my purpose. And my purpose is bigger than pouring into people. I pour into people because of my purpose. My purpose is bigger than being an apostle. I am an apostle because of my purpose. I am a prophet because of my purpose. I am a pastor because of my purpose. My purpose is to be a habitation of God. My purpose is to obtain the glory of God. My purpose is to be conformed into the image of his son. 
And so for my life, it looks like me being an apostle and a, and a preacher and a teacher and, a, and an ambassador. These are things Paul said about himself. He said, but those things, I, I'm only those things for the whole sake of being conformed to his image. I've been a habitation of my God and an obtainer of his glory. I'm destiny's hostage. That is how Paul overcame. So, yeah, told you that today would be a little different. I wanted to kind of take you on a journey through the life of Paul Will Creek. And I wanted to show you that if you want to win in this life, you're not going to do it by following rules. If you want to win in this life, you're not going to do it by beating yourself up with condemnation. If you want to win in this life, you're not going to do it by trying to win in your own strength. If you want to win in this life, you got to chain yourself to your destiny. And your destiny is found in the one who loved you when you were not worth loving. Your destiny is found in Jesus Christ. Your purpose is found in him because your purpose is to look like him. (laughs) That is it. Become destiny's hostage because all who become captives of destiny become people of victory. Well, guys, I am out of time again this week. I hope this encouraged you. I hope this inspired you. I hope this lit a flame in your soul today to surrender to your call, surrender to your purpose, surrender to your God. It's the only way you are going to survive. Be encouraged. Be blessed. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, your family, with your social networks. Don't forget to leave reviews and ratings on iTunes so that the word can get out about how this is a word not just to make you feel good, but a word to help change and transform your life because you need to be changed. You need to be transformed. You need to surrender so that you can live the best life God has called you to live and you can live the and, the, and be the best you that you've been called to be. God wants you free. He wants you liberated. He wants you emancipated. He wants you full of glory. He wants you full of joy. He wants you full of peace. But he's got to first convince you that the secret to the victorious life is not trying to do anything in your own strength, but it's about becoming a prisoner in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about becoming a hostage, a captive to your destiny. All right, guys, thank you for joining me again this week. Don't forget to meet me right here, the same place, same time next week as we begin to unlock the mystery of Christ and the unsearchable riches of the gospel. Be encouraged. There's victory waiting for you on the other side of your surrender. See you all next week.